0: That cycle's repeated for, you know, a good part of a decade. You've seen many of these cycles, and we've just reloaded. The, the shotgun has just reloaded with new ammo, and these guys are at peak, and we're ready for another run.
1: Hello there. How are you all? Welcome to the What Bitcoin Did podcast, which is brought to you by Gemini, the only place I'm using for buying Bitcoin. I'm your host, Peter McCormack. And before we get into today's interview, I do have a message from my amazing show sponsors. This show is brought to you by Exodus Wallet, who I will be using as my mobile and desktop wallet for my Bitcoin. Now, as many of you know, UX is super important to me. I'm always going on about it. So when Exodus reached out to me and said, Pete, we want to sponsor the show, I was like, okay, cool but I've got to play with the app. And you know what? They crushed it. The experience is so good that I am happy to recommend it to my friends, my family, and of course you. Now Exodus desktop gives you a way to secure and manage your Bitcoin in one beautiful application. And with their mobile wallet, you can send and receive safely using a QR code or address knowing that Exodus automatically checks all addresses for errors. So make sure you check it out yourself at Exodus.com or search for Exodus in the Google or Apple app stores. Also, let's talk about Casa, the safest way for you You to store your Bitcoin. Now, with the Bitcoin price high this year, I know some of you have been making some great gains. And with forgotten passwords, SIM swaps, and phishing attacks, there are just too many ways for your Bitcoin to be lost or stolen. But with Casa, you never have to worry about your Bitcoin again. You see, a Casa multi-sig wallet allows you to take custody of your Bitcoin, but only move Bitcoin by signing transactions from multiple wallets. And you get to distribute these wallets into different locations, protecting you from a range of mistakes, errors, and vulnerabilities. Now, if you want to find out more about this, you can hit me up on my DMs or drop me an email. There is no better time to upgrade your Bitcoin security and get total peace of mind. You can find out more at Keys.Casa, which is key dot C-A-S-A. Next up, we have sportsbet.io, the very best place for online gaming because they're badasses and they accept Bitcoin. And as you know, I'm a massive football fan. There's nothing like a weekend where Liverpool win and Tottenham lose sets me up. Sets me up for the week, especially if I have laid some money on it. Now, sportsbet.io doesn't just cover football. They also cover tennis, motorsports, US sports, and they even have esports. And for new customers, they always have a range of promotions available. So if you want to find out more, please head over to sportsbet.io forward slash promotions, which is S-P-O-R-T-S-B-E-T.io forward slash promotions. Anyway, hope you enjoy this one. If you want to join the discussion, you can hit me up on our Telegram group, or you can drop me an email. It's hello at did.com. Okay,
0: on to the interview.
1: What up, Willie? How you doing, man?
0: Hey, Peter. Good to be back. Lucky good we can do big. this. There's a power outage here, and the internet was very flaky earlier today, so okay. hopefully we're good now.
1: Is that, a, is that an energy crisis power outage? Oh.
0: Well, you know, I live in a tiny little village, and um, I think the second time this year, they it was a scheduled outage. I don't know what they're doing. Um, we had a typhoon here not long ago, so maybe they were doing some maintenance. Yeah, so that's that.
1: Well, I've had fire alarms all night and barely slept, so uh, <laughs> everything's collapsing. Everything's falling yep. apart. Hey, we, we had an all-time high.
0: Mm, we did, didn't we? 67. We did. 67, 67. Did you see that coming? Yeah, I uh, I said well, it was like, you know, it was overbought um, from fundamentals, but, like, the momentum was strong and, um, you know, I thought we'd break it. I, I said we'd, we'd, it was bullish. We went all-time highs um, and it did come back, which was what was expected. I didn't think it would come back and smash through the, you know, below 60. Um, so that was that was a surprise, but it definitely, definitely um, was... You know, it's so overbought right now, it's crazy. But having said that, um, you know, we know why the price rallied, you know, the ETF and it's an interesting one because the ETF is um, you know, people are now we've got now these long-term um investors that are now buying futures instruments through the ETF. Um, so that's kind of thrown everything out of whack, you know, like you can typically futures is a trading instrument and now it's also a long term investment instrument, so it's going to take a little bit of time to kind of find the new balance with how it sits from on chain. Normally, we you see it on chain, they're buying, they're moving it off to cold storage, and you can guarantee that that's more of a longer term investment. Now, you've got like a lot of derivatives being bought by ETFs holders, so um, yeah, but um, using the old balance, like the price shouldn't be anywhere near the 60s, it should be in the mid-50s or even lower. Um, but, yeah, it's hard to tell right now because the ETFs has changed the balance of the whole ecosystem. And we'll, we'll wait and see. But I do think it was overbought. Um, now it's sort of consolidating. So it's it's good. Um, I'm not in a, any kind of concern that the thing's going to um, break down here. Like, there's decent buying support, um, fundamental buying support. So... Um, just biding our time really
1: yeah I, I don't know what to make of that um because you were su- you were surprised it dropped down to below 60 but you also were surprised we went up to that no, high i thought we'd go
0: s- up i thought we oh. might even go as high as 70 i thought like maybe strong we'll break all time highs we'll go up probably test a fib um and, um, but went as high as sixty seven, it exhausted and then it came back down. I thought it would kind of come back down. I actually thought it'd go maybe as high as seventy and then come back and test um like sixty three um, that sort of region where was was resistance and then and then sort of bounce its way back up. but um, it smashed through and went down into the um you know fifty eight. and um I think part of that was everyone started leveraging up, you know, so, um, you know, the leverage traders started to pile in and go DGN long. And whenever you see that, it's just disaster because um, you know, too much money on the table to take them out. And so we're gonna kind of go through this, you know, same old, same old purge of the leverage. Um and you know, like if you looked at the the funding rates, um the DGEN traders, the the noobs, they tend to be trading on um Bybit, and Bybit was, like, ridiculously long um, in terms of their funding rate. And, you know, the the pros which trade on FTX and Deribit, they were very, like, muted and even negative. Like, um, on FTX, it even got into shorting. Um, So whenever you see that happens, it's pretty um, obvious what is most likely going to happen, which is the noobs are going to get wrecked by the pros. Um, So, you know, uh, it's just... There's a bunch of things, you know. There's room for downside. There was definitely a lot of room for downside, and then the the people belonging were very much punished. Um, open value, open interest, so like the number, number amount of um, like derivative um, contracts in play is still very very high. So you kind of expect a bit of volatility right now. Um, but yeah, overall, um, I think it's it's macro super bullish, right? It's really mm-hmm. bullish macro. Uh, it's just the small. You know, within a week or two kind of games, um, the games that the people play are um, sort of whipsawing a bit around. But, um, yeah, the picture is absolutely beautiful, you know, panning out to next year. It's like I am no doubt that we're going to break 100,000 um, in the next run. Um, there's so much, um, like, coins scooped up off the market by long-term holders that have held for more than five months. Um and so it's it's really setting up really nicely for a, another bull run. Um I'm not sure how long that's gonna go, but like definitely multiple months from now, um first quarter looks really good. May run into second quarter, I'm not sure, you know. Um
1: Well, I, I was uh I was with somebody yesterday, I'm not gonna name them, but somebody we both know. Um, and they said they're a cycle maximalist. I said, like, What do you mean? They're like I believe the cycle pretty much plays out the same every four years, he says. I said, what do you mean well,
0: by the, that? that, that he, yeah. Well, he that said deadline's it, kind of Christmas, isn't it?
1: Did, did, the deadline's January, I think.
0: Okay, all right, well, we'll yeah. wait and see. Um, very, oh, no. very little chance from the fundamental setup right now.
1: Well, listen to what but, he uh, said. So, he yeah. said he thinks that Bitcoin is going to challenge gold. It's going to challenge gold mm-hmm. market cap. I was like, that's a 10x from here. He's like, yeah, well, it's a 9x, I think. I was like, you mm. think it could go up to half a million by January? He said, yeah, but he thinks, I think it will. And then I think we'll get another 70, 80% retrace. I was like, huh, well, I'm talking to Willie tomorrow. I'm going to ask him because I don't see that.
0: Is this one of these um, guys with the name Parabolic in their name? Nope. I'll tell you offline after the call. Okay, all right. Uh, interesting. Um, well, I mean, the first part I think is quite correct, is that we are challenging gold and Bitcoin um, because gold's, you know, gold's cap, financial cap is 40% of its total cap. What is gold right now? Is it 12, 12 trillion? I think it's 10 trillion. 10, 12, yeah. It's had a bad year. Um, so that's only $4 trillion. Bitcoin's comfortably above $1 trillion, right? So... Um, it's only a four X from here to um, to essentially challenge gold as a financial instrument. Um, like all the gold stored in bank vaults to hedge inflation, war, that sort of stuff is only um, four trillion dollars worth of asset base. No, I th- I, th-
1: I think he he meant the the market
0: cap, the ten trillion. Market yeah, the cap. total, the total, yeah. the jewellery and yeah. the industrial, you know, all that sort of stuff. Okay, yeah, that's. Uh, That's, you know, I mean, that's got to go, it's got to go apeshit, but I don't know. Mm. Um, Anything can happen. (laughs) I think a lot's got to do with fiat, how, um, whether or not inflation, you know, kicks in and kicks in hard like Jack Dorsey is a fervent believer of. Mm -hmm. Um, So we'll see, you know. Um, A lot of this stuff is just guessing, I think. Um, Absolute price targets is guessing, you know. Um, What?
1: I know that, but I one of the thing I, I am super interested in is do we just do we do the same as January or do we somehow break out of this? I did quote something from one of your your reports this month. You said we are now in a different world where past activity does not reflect the present, which I thought was super, was super interesting. But like, are we gonna break the cycle? Because yeah, part of me is like, hmm, maybe I should like sell 10, 20% into January. Yeah, because some will probably go into a bear market, but like if I was wrong, I'd be obviously disappointed.
0: Yeah. Um I mean like even with like let's talk about the ETF, right? We've we've mm. got now is it two ETFs, Valkyrie as well as is, yep. is um the what was it? it Pro shares or something? Um yeah, ProShares and <laughs> Pro was it, Shares of
1: Valkyrie. Pro shares Is there another Valkyrie. one?
0: Bitso? Yeah, there's I think isn't that the bit the is it well Bitto is that the the, the code? Um oh, for it might be. The Pro Shares. Um yeah, there's there's a number of them and, um, you know, like billions. Or was it one or two billion was bought on the opening week? Um, and, you know, if you were to say, okay, so a billion dollars, let's call it a nice round billion dollars was bought on, um, you know, the the pro shares. Um, had that been a spot ETF or Bitcoin itself, a billion dollars Bitcoin would have got bought. I know. But in this case, a billion dollars of futures contracts got bought. So no Bitcoin got held. Um, but what happens is the price of the futures skyrocket in relative to the spot price and then some um, you know very sophisticated hedge fund type traders is going to come in and they're going to run a cash and carry trade. They're going to buy the Bitcoin and then they're going to sell the futures and they're going to arbitrage the difference because these quarterly futures uh, often trade you know 20 above 10, 20 percent above the um, be the spot and then when that contract expires they'll they'll close at the spot price so um, I buy spot maybe at sixty thousand dollars and I sell the futures contract which is maybe trading at seventy two thousand dollars and then I know that I've made twelve thousand dollars a profit because eventually when that expires in like three six months time nine months um, they'll be the same right and so that ends up being um they, typically in Bitcoin the cash and carry trade 20, 25 is sometimes 30% of of um yield um that these guys get it's very um it's called risk neutral. Um there's no risk in it. Um and so Now, this billion dollars was bought on a futures ETF, um, and no Bitcoin was actually bought. Uh, It was just contracts. And then these hedge funds effectively buy the Bitcoin, short it, and they're holding it in proxy for, you know, you could see it as they're holding it on behalf of the um, futures ETF. And they incentivized through this cash and carry trade, this nice fat premium. And that fat, fat premium just got fatter because the demand on futures, and that's like 20, 30% premium. So another way you could look at this is the futures ETF, $1 billion was bought. Um, only 700 million found its way to spot investment. 300 million got, got its way into the, the kind of the, the profit margin of hedge funds. And so you could have said that's like someone buying a billion dollars and then someone else selling three hundred million, like in a mining fee that's dumped back onto the market. Like so that in itself says um, with a futures ETF, there's a large demand. You've got um, a sell pressure coming from futures um, incentivized fees in that whole food chain. Um, that's you know significant. Like that's starting to rival. That will rival the sell pressure of miners. Um, So like, I'm really thinking this whole mining cycle, four-year cycle, is is very much coming to an end because we've got very sophisticated instruments, ETFs, futures, derivatives. Um, Even um, the Grayscale is 4% of the mining network um, that they deduct out of their stockpile of 650,000 Bitcoins and then sell into fiat for their fat paycheck. Um, So... That that ETF alone, Mr. Barry Silbert and his um, Grayscale ETF, he is selling down as much as four percent of the mining network, and the mining network—they don't actually sell all their coins, right? Mm. So, so um, you know that that gives you a perspective of the kind of um, dynamics at play right now. Um, so, everything's different now. It's I don't very
1: different. I don't understand, Woody. When you say about this cash and carry trade, they um, uh, buy the future and then they buy the spot, and they essentially sell the future it, by the spot. So, sorry, yeah. sell the future by the spot. Who are they sell the future to?
0: The guy that's going long. The guy that's going long Bitcoin. If I think that Bitcoin's going to one hundred thousand by December thirty first and that contract is currently trading at whatever, 70-something thousand, well, I know that I'm going to sell it at 100,000 um, in December, so I'm willing to buy that futures contract, and um, that's effectively the premium I pay is um, the cost of um, the other person selling you that contract. You're buying, it's basically funding, you know. It's like if I wanted to buy Bitcoin that um, I can't afford to buy, and I'm borrowing from the bank. You have to pay the bank interest, so you could do that via borrowing. Um, that's called margin um, leverage. You can mar- bar- spot, you know, you can borrow money from the exchange and, and leverage, and that's what we traditionally had with, you know, the early leverage we had with Kraken, Poloniex did um, that kind of margin, and then when BitMEX came out, they introduced futures, and futures is a, you know, a different contract um, where The funding rate um, in the calendar futures at least is built into the contract and then there's a time value in the contract and as it gets closer to expiry, it starts to taper down and down and down. That premium comes down. Um, So, And that's really another view into the um, funding. You can just consider it funding. um, Because these people
1: are sat on large amounts of cash, they can sell the futures to you and buy the spot and then... That's a
0: really easy. Track. No, they've bought they've bought the Bitcoin. So if Bitcoin yeah. goes up, and, and, they um, and the they're future. shorting it, yeah, they're shorting it. they like nothing happens. Like um, the Bitcoin price moons, and you're shorting it. Well, your Bitcoin on the other side is mooning with it. So you're you're netting out at um, zero plus the decay in that contract. That contract value is starting to drop and drop and drop, and that's your um, yield, um, like. Remember, like, I'm buying, it's $60,000 today, I'm buying $60,000 worth of Bitcoin, one Bitcoin, and I'm shorting one contract at $70,000. Um, and so, like, I'm being paid because I'm selling it. I've sold this contract, so I've been paid $70,000 right now. I'm buying Bitcoin for $60,000. i have just pocketed $10,000. Yeah. Um, and I know that they will, like, that contract will be worth whatever the price of the Bitcoin I'm holding is when it expires. Mm-hmm. So I know if I'm going to sit on this, by the end of that expiry, I've, I've creamed the carry. Um, I've creamed that, that, um, that premium, which is the $10,000. The only thing I have to do... It's a total yeah, risk-free trade. It's a risk-free trade if you consider fiat, your um, you know, golden light, and I value fiat, and I want some yield on fiat. Um, US dollars, um, but if you're um, valuing bitcoins, then you're losing against Bitcoin, and your your wealth in Bitcoin terms is dropping. So traditionally, um, hedge funds from the traditional world will do the cash and carry trade because they're all about getting twenty percent. That sounds sounds sweet when I can only get one or two percent in bonds. Mm-hmm. Um, so that in that their view um that's great as bitcoiners we go well that's kind of shitty um so you know and I mean I I mean myself like I always have a, a partition in cash because cash just provides that nice buffer of liquidity if bitcoin's very volatile and we get a real crash there's some cash to buy the dip
1: mm-hmm. and
0: I don't want to sit that cash in a bank so maybe I'll um do some cash and carry and get 20, 30, 40% to um, mitigate the money printing that's happening with the Fed. And so by doing this, the money goes back into crypto, you get the yield, and it's it's roughly enough to offset um, the Fed's money printing. So you're not subject to dilution, and you've got a little bit of safety buffer. So I can even see a lot of crypto people you know, doing these kinds of trades to um, get yield on the U.S. dollars um, and a lot of people doing this on DeFi, which I haven't really looked too deeply into, but um, yeah, there's definitely a lot of yield to be done in there as well.
1: Okay, wow. So let's go back to the um, the cycle changing and the data changing, because I think this is a super interesting point. Um, we have been subject to these four-year cycles, where everything kind of does play out the same. And like maybe this year looks like two thousand and thirteen, and was and two thousand and seventeen looks like whatever. But like we have been subject to these cycles and this kind of these volatile moves. The data you're saying is starting to change. What specifically are you seeing this change? What is it that's making you go, okay? I think we could, you know, stretch out into Q two for the the bear, uh, for the bull market.
0: Yeah, I mean like this started um a long time ago. I think we talked about this year and uh it was like post yeah, it was like um over a year ago, I think we had this conversation. Yeah. And um, you know, the realization having talked to one of the large OTC brokers, um, saying that the the exchanges are selling more bitcoins than miners. Um and that was like, whoa, suddenly we've got a new um, supply side that is not acknowledged by the market and seeing how mm. big that is. And then so there's one overlay of demand and supply from all the um, participants in in the, in the ecosystem that used to be just um, miners selling and everyone buying. And then it became spot exchanges also adding to it, um, but you don't really trade a lot in spot. And then suddenly derivatives came into it and the volumes they do are like, um, you know, a 5x or a 10x higher. Um, and so suddenly the exchanges had more sell pressure. Then like um, Grayscale came out and like their 2% fee added way, way big sell pressure. And then now you've got futures ETFs and, you know, it just keeps going on. And then you've got the introduction of mining becoming corporate publicly listed companies who now don't sell their coins and they are now... Um, hodling and using equity to fund their operations because people who buy mining is wanting to get exposure to the coins that they're hodling, they're mining they're hodling. And so even now there's a transition from the sell side from miners beginning beginning weaker because they're becoming large entities that um, have been um, traded on equity markets. So, you know, you've got a whole big bunch of fundamental um, changes And then when you look at the, um, then you, on the demand side, which is the buying demand from hodlers, we can look at um, on-chain to see what that looks like. And so, um, and that's looking really, really, um, you know, bullish. It's, And I didn't know what would happen at the end of this year. I think I said this so many times. "Is like, I don't know what's going to happen. When is the top? What is the price? I said, I don't know when the top's going to be. Um, A lot of what the price will be is when the top is going to happen. But I could tell you third to fourth quarter. And um, third to fourth quarter, um, well, end of third quarter, we could start to see that um, coming out of the 30,000 zone, we had this huge amount of new accumulation that registered, um, on by long-term holders which is a glass node metric it's like you look at how long coins are being held in a wallet and it turns out that um, after five months and in 55 days the probability of that coin moving starts to plummet at a faster rate it's like a sea change so you can go probably of this coin moving into this wallet and then it moving off somewhere else, like being sold. It's usually very high for the next day and next day. And so it starts to decay. Um, you know, the longer a coin has not moved, the more chance that it's not going to move tomorrow. And then at five months, there's a sea change. And so, um, so when we look at that um, and you define the long-term holders, the guys that aren't going to sell anything that's hold, held by five months or more, they're, um, they're, uh, they're long term holders. You run a ratio with the people that may sell, which is under five months. And you get these really nice oscillations, um, really nice charts that show every time we be preceding a bullish run, this ratio of long term holders holding the supply um, dominating. And then it's always, once they've had their fill of being at peak levels of holding the supply, um, the price rallies. And as it rallies, then they start to sell down. And, um, effectively what happened was the rally at the start of this year, up to $64,000, brought in, um, the previous guys that were long-term holders sold out. And we brought in a whole bunch of new guys that, you know, bought that rally. And they, be, they are now aging to five months. I um, and they are our long-term holders now. And, um, And so they're kind of waiting for um, the price to rally into the six figures. And then you'll see them um, start to sell. Um, And as they sell, this sort of metric starts to drop down. The long-term holders give up their coins. The next wave of new guys coming in. um, So that cycle, so you can see this demand supply cycle. People scooping up coins. They get their run. They sell into the next rally. The next cycle, people buy into that rally, and then they become the next long-term holders, and then they sell in the next rally, and so that cycle is repeated um, for you know a good part of a decade. You've seen many of these cycles, and we've just reloaded the the shotgun has just reloaded with new ammo, and these guys are at peak, and we're ready for another run. Um, and it's a very reliable indicator. So no matter what happens around this choppy next few weeks, we know with very high certainty that we're going to get a good rally um, off the tail end of this year. Fourth quarter is going to be great and um, generally with the time signatures of these things, it, you know, it's, it's, it's going to run into first quarter and we'll just have to see how it runs into the second quarter of next year. Maybe it goes even deeper. Um, but it's still really early. They've just reached peak levels um, and they are now consolidating at that, that upper ceiling. Those long-term holders. So, um, yeah, ah, it's I. I have no qualms at saying that this is this is what I think is going to happen, and I don't think I don't think it's a risky um, call. I think it's um, it's it's pretty set in stone looking on chain.
1: Before we carry on with the interview, I do have a quick message from my amazing show sponsors. This show is brought to you by BlockFi who recently launched their BlockFi Rewards A Visa signature card. And now you can get up to $250 in Bitcoin when you join. For people in the US who are interested in owning Bitcoin or stacking more Sats, then the BlockFi Rewards credit cards provides the easiest way because you get 1.5% in Bitcoin back on every card purchase, and there is no annual fee. It is the smartest way to stack Sats as you get Bitcoin back on every purchase. But not only that. You get 2% back in Bitcoin on every purchase over $50,000 of annual spend. If you're interested in finding out more, please head over to blockfi.com forward slash Peter, which is where you can claim your $250 back. That is blockfi.com forward slash Peter. B L O C K F I dot com forward slash P E T E R. Next up, we have Ledger, the world's most popular hardware wallet. Now, a hardware wallet allows you to take custody of your Bitcoin. And I have been a Ledger customer since early 2017. And I'm still using that same Nano S I bought back then. Now, Ledger makes it easy for you to safely manage your Bitcoin using their Ledger Live software, which interfaces with your device. And you can now connect your Nano S to your Android phone to manage your Bitcoin on the go. If you want to find out more, please head over to ledger.com, which is L E D. Next up, we have Gemini, who I'm using exclusively for buying and selling Bitcoin, but I'm only buying. I've still not sold a single sat with Gemini because I'm a hodler and we are in a bull market. Now, I have been using the Gemini app for buying the dips, and I also set up my DCA with twice monthly buys of Bitcoin, and I'm yet to see a better or easier interface for buying Bitcoin. With a streamlined trading view, you have access to all the tools you need to understand Bitcoin and start investing all through one clear, attractive interface. If you want to find out more, please head over to Gemini.com, which is G-E-M-I-N-I.com. And next up, we have the amazing Compass Mining, and they're not just a sponsor. I am a customer of Compass, and I am back mining. It is so good to be back mining, and I really, really like these guys. Compass makes mining accessible to everyone, and as a Bitcoiner, I'm happy to be supporting the decentralized growth of the hash rate. It was really easy to get onboarded, and now anyone can mine Bitcoin with Compass. You just pick your machines, choose your hosting facility, and they will do all the work for you. Now, if you are interested in getting into mining, or you want to find out more, please head over to compassmining.io, which is C-O-M-P-A-S-S-M-I-N-I-N-G.io. If, um, like, the narrative of the halving is the halving priced in was based on the supply changing, but... If uh, if miners are holding on to their coins, it's kind of a narrative and a self-fulfilling prophecy rather than actually something based on the supply changing every day anyway. So it feels like it's, <clears throat> it's almost like a, a fast-playing uh, market cycle that's just based on everyone expecting it to happen rather than based on the fundamentals of... Well,
0: we can the see if the, the the miners selling. We can see yeah. how much the miners selling on every hour, really, on the Glass Node charts, Right, you can actually see the the, the coins leaving the miners' wallets. Um, so we can measure that. Um, but like I'm actually talking about the theoretical maximum. Even if they kept selling everything, um, this is what we would get. It's not that significant if they were to sell all their coins yeah. consistently. Um, because they are now outgunned by the other sellers, um, the ETF guys and the derivative exchange guys.
1: The uh, the guys with yesterday said these cycles are a psychological attack on Bitcoiners because you can be uh, you can get through a cycle and be more profitable than you were at this point, but you have come still have come down from a very high point. You could like shoot up to be worth millions and millions, and then come down, and like in your head you should be happy but it's a psychological attack because trying to sell the top so hard.
0: Yeah, this is like human psychology is that yeah. if you give someone a million dollars and then you go oh I made a mistake um I was only meant to give you half a million, and you take half a million back. They're, they're really sad, yeah. <laughs> even though they started with nothing. They got given half a million, but because they reached that peak, they're sad. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's, I agree totally. It's a funny quirk of the human mind. We we are much more wired to be sensitive to loss than the few euphoria of gain. Um, so, <laughs> did you see
1: uh, that? Did you see that shibu
0: trade? Uh, I even looked at the chart. The chart chart that like it's all over Twitter, right? Um, eight thousand dollars.
1: Somebody bought eight thousand dollars worth four hundred days ago, and it's now M? worth five point seven billion dollars. <laughs>
0: <laughs> billion? Seriously? Billion? billion?
1: Yeah, billion. Wow. Yeah. Did they hold <laughs> all, it? Do they hold it? Yeah, the wallet's still available. I'm always wondering if they've like if that. That's not sold, it's, it's any. No idea, dude.
0: Oh well, yeah, they a multi billionaire got minted. Doesn't that make them? Does that go onto the Forbes Rich List? <laughs> probably. It's probably the, the it's greatest.
1: Like, the greatest trade of all time.
0: <laughs> you know, it's like that's great. It's like the the rich list. You know, SpaceX, Tesla. Um, this, this kind of mogul, that kind of mogul, and then we've got a sheep mogul. A, <laughs> <laughs> a it, it, It's fun making a mockery of the rich list, really, but I think crypto's really those trying to make a mockery of a lot of the traditional world. <laughs>
1: We're making a mockery of, of money, of what's actually happening right now. I wonder, yeah. I, I, I doubt there's the uh, liquidity for them to exit at 5.7 billion, but...
0: Yeah, I, I would agree with that. Um, you'd have to exit very, very slowly and hope that, it, you know, Yep. Exactly. That's one of the things you learnt in um, 2017 with a lot of these shitcoins is that when you need to exit, yeah, you probably can't. And like all the numbers you put on your like portfolio and go, I own X million dollars. And it's like, no, you don't. Because if you sold that token, would go half. And that's just you, <laughs> um, let alone everyone else that's going to pile into selling when they see you selling. Um, <clears throat> so, yeah. Um, I that, think that, I- that's.
1: Yeah. I think I think I would absolutely uh, sell my uh, ethical uh sell my 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 moral background to trade $8,000 to 5.7 billion <laughs> and take all, and take all the shit that comes with that. I think I would do it.
0: I don't know. It's like I think I don't know if she's like tra- I don't think it's I think trading's amoral, mainly amoral. I think there is immoral things in trading, but like you're buying, you're selling, all right? Um there's no morality in it I don't think there's morality you can't buy that token um, why not you're just trading it you're not like it's it's not it's you know you, it's not like you're investing it in it and then you're trying to sell this token to as many people and your friends and family as possible, so you can get richer. That's a diff- that's a morality issue. I think the yeah. hoddling shilling is a morality issue. If you're trading, you know, you're buying one day, you're selling. You don't give a shit. aim. It's amoral. It's you're not attached to the coin. Um, Dude, my, my,
1: my sister bought Shibu. Right? She messaged me. I was like, Lorraine, have I not taught you anything? Just buy Bitcoin slowly. Whatever. I'm actually scared to ask her what she, how well she's done. That. <laughs> I'm afraid
0: she's she going to buy around. you out.
1: Yeah. She's going to buy
0: you yeah, she... out and change this to what ship did. What well, yeah, she did. <laughs> Imagine that.
1: Imagine that on one trade, she's like beating me on five years of Bitcoin.
0: Yeah, that would be <laughs> hilarious, right? That would um, be
1: hilarious. I don't know if she But I think
0: it. that's that's good. That's good to humble the Maxi um, tribe. Um, <laughs> I think it's, it's uh, humility goes a long way. I think, um, I don't know, the Maxi camp's getting a little bit... Um, I don't know, toxic and a bit full of it, I think. And, and, um, yeah, so. Well, um,
1: I had a, I did an interview yesterday with this person I told you about. Well, it's going to be obvious now because I've said I did an interview with them, but, um, it's all about toxic maximalism and they, they did the research back into, uh, the history of Bitcoin. He, it was a really interesting point he made. He said, um, yeah, things are going to get a bit crazy over the next, you know, Decade, decades, and there is going to be a transition of you know, money and power as Bitcoin continues to grow and sovereign currencies continue to collapse. And there's going to be winners and losers in that. And he said, "I feel like we're going to owe the losers, losers, an explanation of what happened. Like, why did this happen? Like, because it's, it's the impact on some people's lives can be quite extreme. When you see, yeah." high inflation or hyperinflation. I mean, hyperinflation devastates nearly everyone. But um, in high inflation environments, we've seen the collapse of Lebanon. Turkey has high inflation at the moment. Argentina right now. But if we see that largely across the world, like high inflation events, yet there's this group of Bitcoiners getting rich, th- there's going to be some people who want to know what happened and why it happened. And he feels like this needs explaining and that the role of the toxic maximalist for ensuring that this transition happens uh, as best possible is really important. I'm going around in circles on it, Willie. It's like,
0: I thought you were going to say we need to, um, I thought you were say there might be a backlash against Bitcoiners.
1: Um, I think there will be. I think there already is.
0: I mean, everyone wants to backlash against the rich, right? Um, mm-hmm. And blame. Um, but like... I mean, hell! It's like every Bitcoiner I know did their most to try and tell their friends this is mo-. like you. You like they hate you on yep. your family hates you on um, Facebook, right? Your friends and family. <laughs> so, yeah, they
1: hate me. They're like, shut up about Bitcoin for fuck's sake. Um,
0: I've been telling them yeah, since a thousand dollars. It's 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 interesting. I think it's interesting to see um, like how the will transition. Um, I mean, it's this last um, what I'd say three months. It's just been a, just seeing how Bitcoin now is really going mainstream. Um, mm-hmm. I think there's more and more realization in the last three months with, you know, particularly ETF, but not only that. We had the public company side of things, but then we had a country ban it and then everything got stronger. Um, <laughs> and And then like more and more, like more and more of the US is opening up to it. We've got Regulators thinking about um, allowing banks to hold it on their balance sheets, um, mm-hmm. and you know, the FDIC just, chairman
1: like, brought that up, didn't he?
0: Yeah, it's like I don't know if we're going to. I don't know if we're going to. You know, I don't know if like, like the, there's been this argument that you can ban Bitcoin. Um, the governments will ban the Bitcoin. It just doesn't seem that way when <laughs> you've got you know publicly traded ETFs and banks looking to hold it and. You know, Mastercard um, is is like allowing deposits into accounts with it. Um, it's just more and more the financial systems coming into it. Um, it's it's a so yeah, we're, it's a different phase now. And I think um, I don't even I don't think um, I don't think the Bitcoin tribe is at at a maturity level to like. It's, I, I think, I don't know, I can't see that. What, what is the argument to say that toxicity is going to help this explanation?
1: No, 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 no. He, he we did an interview on toxicity, but he, what he said is he started out by explaining the journey he went on to uh, get, so his starting point was like, if Bitcoin takes over, and it becomes the dominant financial asset there's going to be a lot of people who are going to get rich off it and there's going to be a lot of people who might lose out and this transition in the world it's not going to be just a simple peaceful transition it's peaceful for the bitcoiners but you know there could be collapses to certain parts of the society we will move to a world where you know there are people who have social security there are people who have welfare there are people who have you know in the UK you get a bus pass if you're a pensioner you have you know, there are all these schemes, as you move to an environment which is more uh, dominated by Bitcoin, there's likely going to see these social programs and maybe less of them. He's saying that is a potential. He said the world's going to look very different, and he said he feels like an explanation will be owed as to why why this happened. And in doing so, in doing the research and understanding how Bitcoin grew from nothing to where it is, he realized that the toxic maximal Maximus side of things has been really important for Bitcoin to get it where it is. And it's going to be really important for it to continue. So if I didn't explain that right the first time, that's, that's what I meant.
0: And that, that I, they needed a defense system, like the thorns on a little tree oh. and thorns come out to protect itself until it's a bit bigger.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah, it was okay. so it was so fragile to begin with. Like we didn't realize how fragile. Yeah, you know,
0: if the government wanted
1: to shut down Bitcoin in two thousand and thirteen, it would have been super easy, right? I mean, some people say you can't, but like it would have been a lot easier. You could have regulated it away. It would have been a few nerves. It would been have been, been easier,
0: off. but I don't think it would have been yeah. shut down. It would have been a lot easier. You could have attacked it financially, blah blah blah. blah. But like, um, yeah.
1: Um, but, the, but the interesting point know. now. Willie, is I feel like we're getting to this point where Bitcoin, like I said, Jason Lowry started talking about Bitcoin is like nuclear, it's like a nuclear yeah, defense yeah. He's, he's a
0: military guy, right? He's part yeah, of he's the a space military cadets. Guy. Yeah. yeah. He's, kind of a like, genuine, he's our first genuine Bitcoin space cadet, right?
1: Yeah, um, and I met him. Space I met force. Him.
0: Yeah.
1: yeah. Nice. But, he, but he was saying governments owning Bitcoin is like go- governments owning nuclear weapons in terms of you've got some, we've got some, it's a defense, right? It's a financial defense. Mm-hmm. And I find that super interesting because, and the reason I find it super interesting is I look at the US and the US is, seems to have like a a, f- a relatively friendly approach to it regula- on the regulatory side. Now, some people say, no, it doesn't, look at this, this, is this. But I'm saying it feels like something the US would normally just ban and it still exists and it feels like, this is actually a really powerful tool for the U.S. Most of the companies are in the U.S. A lot of the Bitcoin is held in the U.S. A lot of the wealth held in the U.S. So it's actually good for for the U.S. And I'm wondering, is like China. You saw the rumors of China unbanning Bitcoin. They haven't like a public comment on it. I wonder if they realized... Well, that actually. Made...
0: I, I thought that was fake news. I think someone was citing themselves, source themselves. Oh, uh, <laughs> was that, it? Is that like some like like yeah? I think uh, well, is it for uh, real or not?
1: I thought it was for real. Okay, but either I could,
0: way, I, I don't. I don't believe it until I see it. But that's totally against what China's policies are.
1: Yeah, it's essentially um, uh, in the the independent. Interesting. I mean, look, whether it is or isn't, but I feel like this, the China ban in Bitcoin mining seems to be a huge mistake. I mean, yeah, even
0: geopolitically, if, it's crazy.
1: Well, yeah. even if they didn't, I mean, just financially, even if they didn't want. To have people own or use the currency in China, you can still outsource the service to the rest of the world as a like as just supply the energy to operate the miners because the revenue will still make its way back into China.
0: Yeah, it's well. It's also a vote on the network, I think, as well. If you have a majority, say. And also, your totalitarian government—you can, you could actually—it's your best shot—shut down the network because you can fifty-one percent attack it because you just tell all the miners, "No, we're taking control of that network," and instantly, by decree, you have, you can double spend on that network. Um, you can't do it anywhere else, right? <laughs> um, but now that's that's taken—you know—that's taken off the table. Um, but yeah, like I, I heard this thing. I read it like someone was musing on Bitcoin, US, China, and you've got one side, you've got a very centralised government that's controlling everything. Um, And so if you're going to compete with that government, you've got to do the opposite, right? Like, you wouldn't compete with iOS and the iPhone with... um, by doing an uh, imitation, you have to do the Android thing, which is open Open it up. So then you, you have Mac and Windows, you know, so you have these, you, you, like, and Bitcoin is a better match for the US. It's a democratic um, country, mainly. <laughs> um, and like, it's decentralized with its state run system. Um, and like, it's, it, it's, it does kind of make sense, even though we're uh, in a reserve US dollar reserve world, um, and it, it kind of is, it's kind of like, um, you know, going into competition with your main profit center, but like in the long term, um, it's, it's. I think it's a really good play, right? And um, I don't think governments are thinking like this. I don't think they're thinking about it much at all, but I think it's just a consequence of how... The US is structured where you've got a lot of moving parts that are independent and they've got different charters and these checks and balances. And and so the whole thing meshes together and um, they each do whatever their directive is and right down to individual states um, wanting to open it up and others not. Um, and so I, th- I don't think there's any kind of coherent... Um, I don't think there's a coherent policy. Um, I don't think there's any kind of coherent conspiracy. I think a lot of people are very conspiracist, particularly in our space. Um, I think it's just a whole bunch of people just going through the machinery of of it all. Um, and, you know, like, you know, this, is, this touches on, you know, we're talking about how governments work. And I'm, I'm, I recall, do you remember the Antonopoulos 2014 testimony to the Canadian Senate? I think
1: so. It's been a while since I've seen that.
0: It was like a YouTube, two hours long, and it was very articulate. And and, um, Antonopoulos gave a very good case of what this technology was and what benefit it was to society and how over-regulating or even regulating it at that early stage would destroy its potential. And not long after that testimony, um, Canada... Went ahead and decided not to overregulate it, and they allowed it to flourish. And you know, the e- we've got a spot ETF in Canada. We've got all these mm-hmm. things happening in Canada that's not happening in the US, because of one person. Um, actually, I know the story behind it. It was another person within um, the 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 government that was a bitcoiner that. That got the budget to get Antonopoulos and to do a whole one year study around Bitcoin. Um, that person ended up going to CoinDesk afterwards. But like there was a, a chain of things that happened that made major change at the governmental level. And I did not see any Bitcoin toxicity defending Bitcoin in that. Like it was just very smart people working within the system and being very respectful. And one of the things that struck me about that testimony was how much respect and honour that was showered upon um, Antonopoulos. Um, mm-hmm. And they were very, very appreciative. And I was like, wow, there's a lot of good energy in this room. And that was like a model to me of how change is made. Um, and I see this is what uh, Michael Saylor says as well, that like this sort of cheery, <laughs> likeable um, attitude. Um, so you don't create enemies. And, and so... I don't. I'm not bought into the toxicity as being a defence to this network. Um, it may be a defence against, um, shitcoiners. Like maybe it's like like scammers. Yes, but not at these state level. Um, change making. Um, you know, I think the toxicity is, um, you know, it's hurting the credibility of Bitcoin. Um, no, I at,
1: agree with you on that though. I don't. I don't think at the state level where like where the regulators are or, or even the hedge fund world
0: it. that sort yeah. of thing and the bankers I, and yeah
1: I don't well I, I, I've got a mix you there so I think at the, at the regulator level I don't think there's any benefit in being completely hostile and telling them to go fuck themselves we're going to do this anyway because they're the people mm-hmm. that can create the rules and make life a bit harder yes Bitcoin might win anyway you know at the hedge fund level if the hedge fund guys are interested in Bitcoin super interesting but these Vulture hedge funds that seem to be getting involved in things like I think WorldCoin is a, an atrocious oh,
0: the venture capitalist, yeah. yeah,
1: yeah. So the VCs who get involved in like shit like that, I think absolutely be toxic with those guys. I think they're vultures and I think they get rich off uh, uh, making money of other people's uh, misery. I think, yeah, I think, I think, I yeah. think at the protocol level, you can talk about it perhaps thinking back to 2017 when. Uh, there was an attempt to co-opt Bitcoin Core, to uh, increase the Brock size, yada, yada. And actually, I think that version of the code failed. Uh, luckily, it didn't happen, but I think there was a bug in the Jeff Garzik version that failed. And that really was an attempt to, to change Bitcoin and, and co-opt it away from the devs, which I, I think some of the toxic behavior around that Set in place what right. should be expected, yeah. and I remember also John Carvalho being, you know, whether you say toxic or firm doesn't matter. I mean, I think some people confuse toxic with being like abusive. I think I think we can all agree abusive is wrong. And then I think on the scams, I think the 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 toxicity is with about protecting people, but there's no like neat even line because it's like, well, what is a scam? You know, <laughs> and so so the definitions about these lines get kind of messy. Um, but in the end, as somebody who's moaned and whinged about people on Twitter, actually, <laughs> I was watching the Chappelle special recently and he said something along the lines of, you know, weren't you, uh, weren't you upset about what people said on Twitter? He was like, I didn't give a shit because Twitter isn't real life. <laughs> I was like,
0: mm. uh, yeah, fair point. Yeah, but I, so I you, know. have yet to meet someone where it didn't make some kind of impact. Um, I think most people get triggered on it. Um, if you don't get triggered on it, then I'd believe you, but I think most people at some level get triggered. I do. Um, I
1: definitely you know I mean? do.
0: Like you can, you you know, anyone with a large following will get immense amount of trolling and like maybe 1% of it hits you right in that spot where you're triggered,
1: you know. Um, on the wrong day, with the wrong words. On the wrong
0: day or whatever, um, you know. So everyone has a trigger. Eventually it gets in, so yeah. Anyway,
1: yeah. Well, so. anyway, so so uh, it's gonna be very obvious who that person I spoke to was. Uh, shortly, I I'm just gonna say it anyway. It's uh, fuck it. It's Pete Rizzo. Oh,
0: Pete Rizzo. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Okay, I, I don't I know like him. Like. He's just he's just like he says what what it is, you know. He's he's uh, I would appreciate that about him.
1: Yeah, I, I like him. He's quite challenging. He's a challenging interview yeah. because he really challenges your questions or your assumptions. Uh, but he's mm-hmm. got all these theories. But, you know, I trust him on it because he's, got, he's gone there and done the work. He's done all this research on the history of Bitcoin. You know, the pre-history. He's a journalist,
0: you know? He's yeah. like a real journalist.
1: A proper journalist. And then he's done mm-hmm. the actual creation of Bitcoin and now he's got, done the fork war. So I think he's come to this, he's, in doing that work and doing that research, he himself has become more of a Bitcoin maximalist. Because he's like, mm. okay, I understand what we have here in our hands. I understand what we've created. I understand what we've been through, and understand what we might go through in the future. So this kind of maximalism is, is really super important. So it's it's a fascinating yeah. interview. It's one worth listening to.
0: Right. Okay. I'll I'll do that. Um, I think he's is he writing a book? It sounds like it is.
1: I mean, my assumption is a book is coming. He hasn't said so, but my assumption is a book is going to come at some point. And I think he would. I think it would be a fantastic book.
0: He'll be the nominated Bitcoin historian.
1: Yeah, I think I think he's doing it actually. Yeah, I think Mm -hmm. Aaron Van Weerdoms done some of it, and I think Nick Carter as well. But I think uh, I think he's taking that place now.
0: I'm like really waiting for the big budget Hollywood movie on you know not the social network but the Bitcoin network. You know, with all of the drama because there's much more drama in the Bitcoin story than. You know, like the Facebook story or the Steve Jobs story, or you know you see some of these these big screen um depictions of the story, and we've got massive um you know crazy stories that happen in mm-hmm. Bitcoin from um you know Silk Road days um Wiki right Leagues. through to the four wars you know yeah Wikileaks um, the ride. whole the whole Satoshi mystery mm-hmm. and so yeah, so. I mean, I think that's one of the key points when when we see that movie, that'll be I think the middle of the mainstream adoption. Like we're we're in that. I think are we at? Um, I forget the number. I think I said it last time we're at twenty percent of the US, like um having Bitcoin. Is it something like that? that? Yeah. Yeah, and the what is it? The is it twelve and a half percent? Is um what's on the normal curve? The first. You know, the, you've got the early pioneers, early doctors, and then the early mainstream, which we've crossed, right? We've comfortably crossed yeah. by um, probably, you know, over a year now. and so cross the chasm. We've crossed, crossed the chasm and we're ready to go into half the population very quickly um, in, in the Western developed world. Um, and so I'm waiting for this movie. Um, that'll be fascinating and it'll, it'll garner a lot of audience. Um
1: well I wonder if the because uh, the, the, so, the uh, sequel to the social network is Bitcoin Billionaires right so there's certainly a movie about the Winklevoss I think that's been I think that might have been Greenlight
0: Oh really who's who's the producer director
1: I don't know don't I mean know
0: look, that's look, a brilliant book I love it
1: oh. Well the social network was brilliant because Fincher directed it you know you had a proper director at the helm as a you know Mm. That film, that film, shouldn't have been a brilliant film. It's, it's the story of Facebook. It should have been cheesy and crap, but because Fincher did yeah. it, it, was brilliant.
0: Um, yeah, he created the emotional character tension. Um, no, that's that's great. You know, I really like the Bitcoin billionaires. It really reframed um, the Winklevoss twins as the heroes and Zucks as the, the 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 villain, which is an exact flip of the Social Network. Um, I really enjoyed that. Here we a, go. A, oh.
1: Cameron and Tyler Winklevoss are co-financing a film based on Ben Mes- Meserich's Bitcoin Billionaires, the follow-up to The Social Network. <laughs> uh, they, they will return to the silver screen in a film adaptation of Bitcoin Billionaires. According to a report for Deadline, Cameron and Tyler Winklevoss will co-finance a film, which picks up with the story where the accidental billionaires left off with them receiving $65 million settlement from Facebook. Which they went on to invest in Bitcoin during the early years of the cryptocurrency boom. So I guess it's going to include them going out to now to Ibiza. And is that where they met Charlie Shrim? They
0: met some guy at a bar in Ibiza. Uh, Yeah, 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 Shrim. And he took them down to his his man cave full of computers and got them into it. I'm, I'm trying to find because um, the, uh, the, the irony if the, the Winklevoss exceeds um, Zax's net worth, um, you know, that would be highly ironic.
1: Um, I would love that to happen.
0: I'm just trying to find the price at which that happens. What, what, where shit. is he on the rich list? He's on the rich list.
1: He's 116 like he's billion:
0: 116 billion um 116 billion okay um what's what's uh like 116
1: and they've got like 8.6 you got I think you've got to consider them one entity
0: right yeah okay we'll do that so they own 1% of the supply right roughly yeah. 2.1 million bitcoins right
1: i don't know i don't know if it's that i think they bought 1% of the supply at the time they got involved i don't know if they kept stacking
0: Oh right, I thought they got like one percent. Oh well, how many coins were minted at that point?
1: I mean, I think it was about one hundred twenty thousand.
0: Is it? No, that they, they you you mean? No, you mean Saylor's got more uh, through all of his holdings?
1: P- potentially, I, I I mean I don't I mean I don't know. It's not it's not the kind of question I ask them. Um, if it's two point one, I think it's
0: like you know it was so early in the network. Where they want one point. Oh, I thought they were they were going for the whole two point. 1 million. If that is the case, then they're worth uh, like, it's basically $55,000 per Bitcoin, ironically. Um, Zuck's How net much? worth divided by, oh no, sorry, that's, that's, no, 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 that's wrong. That's, I was out by a zero. So yeah, 210,000 Bitcoin, that's about right. Okay, so um, that is, that is, that was, um, it says so here they have basically half a million dollars per coin, and they exceed Zuck's wealth.
1: I don't uh, think they've got that. I think they've got it says they've got about seventy thousand here.
0: That seems low. No, but I think really? like I say, like, Saylor's got I, more.
1: Oh. I didn't think they wow. carried on. I don't know if they carried on stacking, and also I don't know how much they use them to invest in their businesses. Either way, whatever. I'd fucking love them to crush Zuck.
0: No, they've never um, released their coins from cold storage. It's covered in the book. It's just scattered through safety deposit boxes all around the world. And I know that they haven't because, like, there's too much opsec to even go into one of those. Uh,
1: <laughs> they could never do yeah. it again.
0: <laughs> they can either. It's, it's just frozen, locked up forever. <laughs> they'll probably trade paper around it or something.
1: It would be so um, funny if they uh, if they ended up crushing Zuckerberg.
0: Oh no! Yeah. It'd be awesome. It'd be total karma. Yeah.
1: Um, I think we. I think we, Yeah. F- uh, I was. Um, I saw them the other night. Actually, did I don't you? Know why I'm that. Yeah. I do not want to bring it up. Yeah. Man, we, you're like
0: we, um, like mingling with the rich and famous over there, eh?
1: Yeah, I've, yeah, I'm <laughs> I'm dripping with poor when I was hanging around with them. Uh, no, I had to catch up with them. I had to I had to catch up with them on a couple of things. But they they you know the thing about them is they're actually really super nice guys. Um,
0: right. Uh, yeah. Whenever I it sounds like that,
1: know, I don't waste their time. Um, or whenever I need anything, they always get back to me. And uh, so I I actually I think I said that when I first interviewed. I was like, like, do you know the price where you crush Stark?
0: <laughs> <laughs> and what they think say.
1: No, they're humble about it. They're really nice guys. It's
0: like a million dollar Bitcoin. It does look like it's hundred twenty thousand coins. I looked it up too. So
1: yeah,
0: um, I imagine they have more because they earned some through Gemini and blah blah. But um, yeah, yeah. So yeah, good on them.
1: Um, All right, man. Well, listen, we are coming to an end, dude. Let's um, give me a give me a price target for the end of the year. The one thing you don't want to answer. Where are we where are we looking now? I
0: don't do price targets, man. It's I know. Like, yeah, but you have an it upper like, bound. So it's so weird to be asked to – it's like everyone wants a price target. Um, of course they do. Okay, at the end of the year? Mm-hmm. I'll tell you what it's going to be below. It's it's not going to be – it's not going to go above 200000
1: Okay, so I'll win my bet.
0: It's not going to go above 200000 Yeah. Um, and, you know, it's going to be above now. <laughs> <laughs> There's my target. It's it's going to be 60 to 200,000. Um, well, January, theoretically, go a little bit above 200,000 if everything goes crazy. Um, but there you go. You've got a good 3 to 3.5x three range there. Um, like. It's really hard, you know, because like you know what it's like. It's like under it's it sits there like a a timer about to go off, then it explodes, and then you can you know once it explodes, it makes a run. But like when does it does it pop? It's it's kind of random. Um, So there's no I don't know. There's no data um, that predicts that right. It's Mm -hmm. it's, um, it just can frame the probabilities. Um, So. There you go. No. You, you just want clickbait. Uh,
1: well, yeah, I mean, let's, uh, let's, what, what, what shows? Like, should...
0: like, say something that makes me money, bro.
1: Hey, listen, listen, <laughs> listen, dude. Every time I have a chance for clickbait, I don't do the clickbait title. Do you? Do oh, good on show. you. Yeah, I, I might do. Okay. A, my last one's are like I got told off for the last one because it wasn't exactly what the show was. Oh, it was you, <laughs> what
0: was that we for did, my, my show?
1: Yeah, like what? What did we do? We we ended up just talking shit for the whole show, and then like I think I, know, at the end I was like, and I was like,
0: liked it. I was like, what the fuck? And I was genuine every time. The last two episodes, I was like, don't listen to this. It was just I don't it. know, like you rabbiting on about shit that you want to talk about, yeah. and um, I said, don't listen to it. People thought I was like. I was genuine. I was like, don't listen to this. This is like not on chain or anything like that. So people loved it.
1: Honestly, I got so much good feedback. I think uh right. I think as they can listen they can read your newsletter and listen to you anyway, but I think people really like your thoughts and things. So I think it's uh, mm. it was uh through the keyhole with Willy Woo. Into the life of Willy well, there Woo. There you go. There you go. <laughs> We're never going to see you again, man. When are you, when are, when are you going to be about and about?
0: I think I'm going to blow this joint um, early next year. Um, okay. Yeah, I mean, I would have loved to have like left now and make tones um, summit um, in Dubai. It seems like a lot of fun. Um, but like, baby's a little bit too small. I think mm-hmm. we'll be ready in the start of next year to, to get a little bit mobile. Um, I also look forward to that. Um, yeah. All
1: right, man. Well, all right. listen. Love to see you, man. Love to see you in person. Hopefully, have a beer at some point. And uh, yeah,
0: thank you. Totally. I'm going
1: to come, come up with some really clickbaity title now. Now you <laughs> said
0: that. I don't know. Okay. Bitcoin to infinity. These are your price target.
1: <laughs> yeah. There you go. Bitcoin to infinity. Brilliant. I tell you what, if and I beyond. do that, I tell you what, sh- you, um, do you, did you know my biggest ever show? I think my biggest ever show is a Woody show. Let me just check.
0: Uh, hold
1: on. I've got what no, was the no. title?
0: Uh, it was like a price target, I'm sure. Hold on. I'm sort of
1: probably. Oh uh, no, no. My third and fourth are both Willy shows. So the top show's uh, President Buchanan, Second one's oh, Weinstein. But th- th- three and four, are uh, Willy Woo and Willy Woo. So okay. we've got is is the bull, bull market over, and how to trade the end oh, of yeah. a bull market?
0: Yeah, everyone's looking. Everyone's looking after their money. I think that's that's the thing. Um, okay.
1: Like, let's go with, let's yeah. go with Bitcoin to infinity. Yeah.
0: Well, <laughs> you just go big bear market ahead. Watch out. <laughs> oh, All right, whatever. man. Well, listen.
1: I will, I will see you in a month. Thanks for this. Always love talking to you. Dude.
0: Okay.
1: Cheers. All right. Catch you later. Thanks for listening to What Bitcoin Did. If you want to get in touch with me, the best thing to do is head over to our Telegram channel. Otherwise, you can hit me up on hello at whatbitcoindid.com. And if you want to support the show, please just head over to Apple Podcasts. Go and leave me a review. Hopefully you think the show deserves five stars. All right, I'll see you all soon.